It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's our number three of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Craig Oops, Pearson. Holding it down for Scott Seidenberg. You wound up seeing him on the nightcap earlier. Did an amazing job there. Now it's my turn to step up and hopefully we can do so here because we've got a lot of college basketball action in the final segment. If you want to missing it in the second hour, wound up giving out the play that I'm going to be giving out for DK Nation on Tuesday. And if you wind up missing any part of this pot of this show, what have you, you're able to catch the VSIN Best Bets podcast. We upload pretty much every hour of every single day that we wind up doing of our live content there. You're able to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, what have you. So we've got you guys all covered there. But how about to start out this final hour? We wind up coming out west because now it is officially Tuesday. So now it is officially going to be a Tuesday slate for all these teams as well as we've got a game that I think is going to be a very much intrigue Maybe not necessarily for offensive reasons here with this one. 643-644. John Fresno State, they're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against Air Force. This is the lowest total that we're seeing on the Vegas betting board, and it's not even close when it comes to that because right now you got a total between 117 and 117.5. Fresno State, in a lot of places, are laying 7. We're seeing at DraftKings currently a 7.5, and, and I did why I'm saying this at a 7.5 myself. At 7.5, I would still probably be willing to lay it before I'd be willing to take it with Air Force. I set my line at 7.5, so at 7, certainly going to be in on Fresno State. With Fresno State, I think the big key for this team is having a 7-footer Orlando Robinson. It just does it all for this team. 18 points, 8 boards, multiple assists per game. He's able to shoot about 32% from 3-point range when you're 7 feet tall and you're able to shoot threes like that. And you're able to shoot north of 75% the free line makes you a very hard guard and Got an Air Force team that they just haven't been the same recently. It's a team that they do a great job of being able to slow things down. They're in the bottom 35 in all of college basketball. The guards' possessions per game at Fresno State, they're in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball in terms of possessions per game. So both of these teams really slow things down to a call. But just because you're slow doesn't mean that you're a good defense. Just because you're seeing a team that gives up, say, 65 points. Virginia, for instance, this year. They, I mean, they're not giving up a ton of points, but they're not a good defense because on a per-possession basis, they're giving up a lot of points. And the same holds true for Air Force because on per-possession basis, 251st in the country with regards to points allowed. Fresno State, they're slow, and yet they're actually relatively solid. They're in the top 40 
with this aspect as well. So I do think that that is important to take note of. Also, when it comes to college basketball, you always want to be gauging these home courts. And Colorado Springs is a big-time home court advantage for Air Force. We've seen many a team wind up going to Colorado Springs this year, and they've had difficulty. Wyoming needed a last-second bucket to be able to get past Air Force. Air Force was able to take down Utah State as a double-digit favorite. They were able to provide a lot of problems to UNLV when they wanted playing them. So Air Force has been a much better team when they've been at home rather than when they've been on the road. And as a result, they're 15-10 and 10 against the spread. But I do think the Fresno State is going to be able to overcome this because you do have a few guys out there in the backcourt able to do a solid job. Anthony Holland is a guy that stands right around six foot six, nine and a half points per game. She's over 40% from three-point range. Certainly, this is not a Fresno State team that is going to be going scorched earth on you from three-point range or anything like that because they have been without Jumeril Baker for much of the season. He was thought to be a guy that was going to be a little bit of a difference maker out there in the backcourt with his injuries. It has been a case in which Fresno State hasn't necessarily been their normal selves, but they've still been able to get the job done. And then for Air Force, big thing with this team is that even though they play slow, they just don't take care of the ball. 13 and a half turnovers. In terms of a turnovers on a per possession basis, this is a team that they rank really towards the bottom of all of college basketball, taking care of it 335th. So I do think that that's going to wind up nipping Air Force in the butt. I think that you're just going to have so many inefficient possessions that this total of 117, I think, is relatively correct here. I wound up saying my total at 116 and a half. I'm looking at an under in this spot. And when it comes to Fresno State, I'm willing to lay the seven. Well, I'm willing to lay up to seven and a half with them because I do think that having the versatility of Orlando Robinson and having an Air Force team that you really don't have a lot of rebounding with this team is going to cause for things to be an uphill battle for the Falcons. So I'm willing to lay Fresno State, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. Got another team that, or another game, I should say, that is going to involve most likely a low-scoring slog as just below that, 645, 646 on the bang board. You got San Diego State. They're going to be hitting the red face off against Boise State. Boise State, they're finding themselves a favorite of two points. Dallas game is anywhere between 119 and a half and seeing as high as a 120 and a half. And first time these two teams wound up playing, you wound up seeing neither team get to 50. That was a 45 to 38 game. I'm going to step out here on a limb. Even though both of these teams stink on offense, we're going to get more than 83 points in this one between the two of them. When it comes to San Diego State, you do have a guy, Matt Bradley, that I really do like. He's been able to average just below 20 points per game. A guy that's able to shoot 40% from three-point range. And take a look at what he's been able to do in conference. This has been just an absolutely amazing guy shooting nearly 45% from three-point range. And then you take a look at the flip side for Boise State. Tyson Dijonart has really been able to elevate this team. Now, you've now got four different guys averaging double figures for Boise State. Dijonart is someone that stands right around six foot eight-ish. As a true freshman, he's been able to shoot over 40% from three-point range, so he's been relatively solid. Now, this has been a team that has been dealing with some ailments to Emmanuel Acott. He should be good to go in this one, but we got a question whether or not he's going to be fully at 100%. And the bigger question mark they've got with regards to this Boise State team, if they wind up getting into a late-game scenario, are they going to be able to knock down free throws? This is a Boise State team that they rank in the bottom 30 of all of college basketball with regards to free throw shooting percentage. So that is something that does need to be kept in mind. They shoot right around 64.5% of the free throw line. It's not like San Diego State by any means is like super nails or anything like that. They shoot right around 69.5% of the free throw line, but certainly is a little bit more solid. When you take a look at what you've been able to get out of ACOT recently, it certainly has been a case in which the injuries have caught up to him. He wanted playing his first game since February 3rd, a couple nights ago against Utah State, and even prior to that. So let's take into account the 
last five games than he's actually played in in general. He's averaged 31 and a half minutes for six and a half points per game. Has shot actually 37% from three in that time span, but certainly has been a little bit more of a pedestrian player. And then with regards to the rest of this Boise State team, you do have Abu Kiab, someone that you do like to say will give you 13 and a half points per game. And Bladen Armas will give you eight rebounds per game. The question is, how is Nathan Menza going to be able to match up with him? And I do think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job. Menza has been able to give this team right around seven rebounds per game, not necessarily a prolific score, but certainly someone that is able to do a solid job for the team. When it comes to San Diego State, the big thing is being able to have ancillary pieces, be able to contribute in the backcourt for the team. Trey Pulliam, Keisha Johnson, heck, even for less of a better term, Chad Baker, Mazera, all these guys that give you between I would say six to eight points per game. You need them to just contribute a little bit of something. You don't need them to just completely go bombs away and shoot like a combined 10 of 16 from three prior range or anything like that. But you need someone like a Lamont Butler to be able to provide a speed bump on defense. He's been very good of being able to give you steals right around two per contest as being able to step up in some big scenarios for the scene while at the beginning of the year actually a little bit banged up. So has been able to do a very solid job for the scene. And you'll notice with Butler, Last time you wound up scoring at least 10 points in a game, you have to go all the way back to mid-January. But that said, it's still a guy that has been able to do a great job just with regards to his tenacity on defense. And I do think that San Diego State is going to be able to exact revenge for the home loss that they wound up taking a little bit earlier this season. I did wind up sending San Diego State as a two-point favorite because I just think that when it comes to Boise State, their late-game following shooting is going to wind up catching up to them. And this is a San Diego State team that I talk about being efficient on defense, number two in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, and they're going up against a Boise State team that they themselves are a team that they can get a little bit loose with the ball themselves. They're right around 166th in the country at being able to take care of the ball, and have actually turned the ball over a little bit more at home than they have been on the road. So I like San Diego State here on the money line, and with this total, I wound up setting it at a 123.5. We have seen Boise State kick up their tempo a little bit more, and San Diego State... You do have a few guys that are able to shoot it in there from three-point range. So I do think that we're going to see a little bit of a different game than we wound up seeing in game one. I'm going to be taking a look at an over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the money line of San Diego State when it comes to what we're going to be getting out there in the Mountain West as well. How about if we go to the great state of Las or I've nearly said the great state of Las Vegas, the great state of Nevada, where you've got UNLV, and they're going to be taking on Nevada as it is not the great state of Las Vegas, even though it should be its own state, but you've got 655, 660, or 656. Nevada finds themselves in between a one and a half to a two-point favorite. They opened up a pick, so we've seen a little bit of line move on this one. Total is remain steady. It's right around 145. Last time these two teams wanted playing, UNLV was able to get the job done. They got a win and cover, but I put a big giant asterisk between in that one because you did wind up having the main backcourt piece of Nevada in Grant Sherfield be out of the fold, and Sherfield along Desmond Cambridge. These are two guys that combine for right around 34 points per game, and Sherfield is the main facilitator for the team. He's able to give you six and a half assists per game between Cambridge and Sherfield. Both of these guys shoot right around 36.5% from three point range, so having him back in the fold is big. Now, Warren Washington, who wound up missing the first game, a true seven-footer, he still has not returned for Nevada. Got to figure that if he does wind up playing in this game, it's very doubtful. It would be on a very limited basis, but you do have yourself a guy in Will Baker. Wines coming in from Texas. He's a true seven-footer. He's able to give you 11 points, five boards, shoots right around 39% from three-point range. So I think that he's going to be able to do a rock-solid job in this game. When it comes to UNLV, you've had just absolutely amazing performances from Bryce Hamilton 
in true road games. He shoots over 40% from three-point range with 25.5 points per game. Now, a lot of that is because he wound up scoring north of 40 points in that game against Colorado State, but in true road games, he has been absolutely magnificent, but I do think that Nevada is going to be able to exact a little bit of revenge in this spot. You do have Roy Sam who's able to give you nine and a half rebounds per game with Keenan Blackshear, the transfer from Florida Atlantic. I think he's going to be able to step up big for this Nevada team. He's been able to do a solid job doling out 23 total assists in the team's last five games while turning the ball over just six times in that time span. Nevada's been able to do a better job of being able to buckle down with regards to their defense as well. 70 points or fewer. Give it up in four out of their last five games. I'm looking at the under, set my total at 144 and a half, and made Nevada a three and a half point favorite. So I'm going to be willing to lay it here. Coming up next, we got to take a little bit more of a national landscape with regards to college basketball. Going to be taking a look at odds to be able to win the Wooden Award right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be, be sure to visit VEASAN.com check out the current betting splits data. This feature gives you insight on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline, Over, Under, and Against the Spread Bets. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here year-round to be able to make you a smarter better. Check out today's betting splits data for every single game now at VEASAN.com as it is the bookhead with myself, Greg Eves Pearson. I'm filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. Scott did a great job on the nightcap, so now it is my turn to be able to step up. And we've taken a look at a lot of the games for college basketball that we're going to be seeing on Tuesday. And we're going to be hitting on a few more. We've got plenty of games to be able to take a look at it in the final segment. Going to give you guys my DK Nation pick for the day as well. But when it comes to taking a look at odds to be able to win the Wooden Award, I do think that this is an intriguing look as well because we have seen these odds move around quite a bit towards the preseason. You were really seeing Paulo Boncaro towards the top of the board. 
You're now fighting him more around 28 to 1. Drew Timmy, who has been towards the top of the board much of the season, he's not 25 to 1, but I think that's really intriguing to take a look at the lay of the land right now. Oscar Shibway at DraftKings, you're right now finding him at the favorite, plus 175. Kofi Coburn, he is plus 550. So you've got two true big men who are number one and number two, and two big men that really don't shoot threes at all. And then from there, Johnny Davis is 6-1. to one. Keegan Murray of Iowa, plus 850. O'Shea Obaji is 9-1. to one. And then from there, got a bunch of guys that are 20-1 to one or worse. Chad Holmgren is 20-1. to one. Ben Matherin, Jaden Ivey, they're both 22-1. to one. Trimmy, who I mentioned, he's 25-1. to one. Jabari Smith, couple with Cup Hollow, and Carroll, clock in at 28-1. to one. And then you've got Johnny Chizang, EJ Bledel at 40-1. to one. Anyone past that? I don't think it's worth taking a look at. You've got like James Akinjo at plus 200 or at 200 to 1. Isaiah Mobley at 250 to 1. Honestly, I thought it was maybe worth a look a few weeks ago, but things have fallen off with him a little bit. He did wind up missing that game against UCLA. USC was able to win without him, which I honestly think might actually hurt his candidacy a little bit. But when it comes down to it, I think there might be a little bit of value here when it comes to Chet Holmgren, just because with Chet Holmgren, he is on a team in Gonzaga that has been absolutely dominant. Now, he's not going to be able to have that one signature moment in all likelihood in which it's like, oh, he wound up lifting his team to a game-winning shot or anything like that because Gonzaga is going to be pretty much a double-digit favorite. In darn near all of their games moving forward, they might be only about a nine-point favorite depending on things how things wind up shaking out in like the West Coast Conference Tournament if they wind up playing against like St. Mary's in the final or something, but you know that Gonzaga is going to be a big, giant favorite. So even if even if you wind up seeing Chad Holmgren putting up like 20 and 10 with three blocks on a night-in and night-out basis, probably not going to do a whole lot of good at this point. I still think that there's a good shot that Johnny Davis is going to be able to get it done because you do take a look at the signature moments that you wind up having. That win against Purdue and what you put the team on his back was absolutely big. Right now leading Wisconsin in points, rebounds, and assists. So he is currently the stat sheet suffer for them. Oscar Shibai, I do think, is the rightful favorite right now. He's on a top-five team in Kentucky, and he is leading all of college basketball in rebounds. He's able to give you 15 rebounds per game, but when it comes to taking a look at these awards, we've got to put ourselves in the mind of the voters, and sometimes that can be a deep and (laughs) and depressing place to put ourselves into because trying to read voters is very difficult, and that really holds true for all awards, whether it be Odds be able to win the Wooden Award, whether it be like the Cy Young in baseball, NFL MVP, list goes on and on. We know that there are some voters that they probably shouldn't have a vote, but you know that they always flock to storylines. They always flock to guys that wind up doing a good job late. So if you take a look at the entirety of a season, I do think that you've got to have a lot of value for how a guy wound up performing in like the non-conference portion of the season, but how a guy winds up performing in February and March is going to mean a lot more than how you wind up doing an insert mundane non-conference game in Battle for Atlantis or a game out there in South Dakota or something like that. It's going to mean a whole lot less than what it's going to mean when it comes to conference play. So I do think that that is something that needs to be kept in mind with this as well. So you're projecting forward a little bit if you're taking a look at these as well. The guy that I would really eliminate from consideration among the top six would be Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's had himself an amazing season. I think that he's one of the top five players in all of college basketball. Guy that for Iowa is able to give you 23 and a half points. He's able to give you eight boards, multiple blocks per game. It's an Iowa offense that is absolutely amazing. 
Iowa, I just don't think is grabbing the headlines enough to be able to warrant him being in consideration. Ben Matherin at 22 to 1. I don't think that he's necessarily worth a look either because I love this Arizona team. Arizona has been absolutely terrific. I think there's a debate to be had as to whether or not Ben Matherin is the top player on his own team because Christian Coloco, I would argue, has been the most improved player in all of college basketball. He's been able to give his team three and a half blocks per game. He's averaging north of 15 points per game. You've got Azul Sabellas, so I do think that is something that winds up hurting his candidacy a little bit more. Jaden Ivey, if Purdue is able to go on a burner run, I think he might have a little bit of value because this is a Purdue team that they are a lightning rod on offense. Now, Purdue... Not playing a lick of defense whatsoever, but they are terrific on offense. And you know what voters love absolutely taking a look at? How many points is the guy scoring? And Jaden Ivey, he is a stat sheet suffer. Shooting north of 40% from three-point range. He had himself some very good moments here with a few buzzer beaters as well. So you got to feel like that's going to stand out in the minds of voters. If there's a guy that I think is undervalued on this board, it is Jaden Ivey. With Kofi Coburn, once again, I think plus 550 is a little bit too short on him. And maybe like 8 to 1, 10 to 1, that'd be pretty fair value on Kofi Coburn. And Kofi Coburn is having himself an absolutely massive season. You take a look at what he's been able to do for Illinois. 21 and a half points, 11 rebounds, gives you a block per contest. He's one of the most immovable forces in all of college basketball, but with regards to a big man that doesn't wind up stepping out, being able to hit outside shots, I think that's going to be a little bit tough from to be able to nab an award like this. O'Shea Obaji at Kansas at 9-1. to I don't know if I can necessarily put a lot on him because, I mean, with O'Shea Obaji, he's able to shoot another 40% from three-point range. He's been able to give the team 20 points per contest. As strange as it sounds, I feel like he's went a little bit under the radar, and it feels like he sometimes winds up having sort of ho-hum 20-point games. It's not like he necessarily does anything that's necessarily too flashy. He's a great on-ball defender. I think that O'Shea Obaji, in terms of what he means to his respective team, is in the top three in all of college basketball. I mean, this is a guy that is a big impact player, so I do think that that is very important as well. I was taking, I was talking about Chad Holmgren a little bit earlier, and I mentioned this with regards to Ben Matherin as well. The problem with Chad Holmgren and also Drew Timmy is that these two guys might wind up canceling each other out because you take a look at them, they've got relatively... Similar points and rebound stats. The big thing that Chet Holmgren has going for them is that he's able to give you multiple blocks. He's able to shoot it well from three-point range. Timmy is a little bit more of a dominant post player, but when it comes down to it, if you have like Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy at the end of the year, both averaging right around like 17 points, eight or so rebounds, maybe you wind up having better footwork with Drew Timmy down low, but Chet Holmgren is giving you those blocks and those made threes. How do you wind up voting for one guy or the other when you have a debate as to whether or not one guy is more valuable to his respective team or not. So I do think that that is something to take a look at as well. And then I think that level of competition is going to be key here as well, because when you take a look at it, I feel like the best conference in all of college basketball, really one through 10 is right now the big 12. But at the same time, I mentioned it with Obaji fact that it has been a little bit more, I guess you could call it mundane with him. But then you take a look at number two and the top, I guess you call it six in a conference. That would be the SEC, just because with the SEC, only reason why one through 10, I don't wind up putting them ahead of the Big 12 is that the Big 12, you really don't have any nights off. With regards to the SEC, if you wind up going one through 14 with them, you got teams like Georgia, you got yourself teams like Missouri, and they're just not good to say the least. But when it comes to if you're able to 
wind up cutting it down a little bit more. I would put the SEC as that number one conference. Oscar Shibai has certainly been able to do it. But once again, you want to be putting your harder money on a low post player that doesn't necessarily do a whole lot flat flashy. I mean, 15 rebounds per game is absolutely amazing. And Oscar Shibai is one of the best rebounding machines that we've seen in this day and age in all of college basketball. I can't remember the last time I've seen a guy have an offensive rebound rate like him. I mean, Oscar Shibai's percentage of missed shots that he winds up rebounding by himself is higher than a lot of teams in general. He has done that much to be able to give this Kentucky team second and third chances, but I still think that there's a good debate to be at for Johnny Davis, who wound up being right around 25-1 to 1 at Christmas, where I wound up coming on this very program. I don't think it was a look at it. I think that I wound up doing the nightcap. I said there's a lot of value on Johnny Davis. I still think that there is a lot of value on Johnny Davis because Wisconsin already has some signature wins. If Wisconsin is going to be making any noise out there in March, we know that's going to be because of Johnny Davis. And Johnny Davis is in a scenario in which he doesn't necessarily have a lot of guys out there around him to be able to help him out. And when you wind up having a guy that sort of does sort of the Kemba Walker, like we wound up seeing from a few years ago where he puts the team on his back, that is something that voters are just going to eat up. So I do think that with regards to player of the year odds, Johnny Davis is worth a look even at 6-1 like we've got right now. And what else is worth a look? The betting slate for college basketball on Tuesday. We're going to dive into some more games next right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get VSIN all access, everything that we do now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access VSIN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single game. This deal happens only once a year, so don't miss out. Visit vcin.com slash madness to sign up now, as it is the look at with myself, Greg Gibbs Peterson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg. And if you're looking for more madness, you've got Seth Greenberg coming up on Follow the Money today. Follow the Money is going to be coming up at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. So if you're listening to me live, well, you're going to have three hours of myself before you wind up hitting Follow the Money. If you're listening to the replay, it's coming up in 30 minutes. So we've got the best of both worlds there, and we've got some college basketball to talk about right here as we've got one game that's going to be occurring very early. It's not often that you wind up getting matinee college basketball on a Tuesday, but we've got that here with the newest D1 program in St. Thomas the Tommies hitting the road to face off against North Dakota. This is the top of the board, 601, 602. Like I always say, it doesn't matter if you're betting on some top 25 slobber knocker like UConn versus Villanova, or if you're betting on the Tommies versus North Dakota. Right now, you're finding North Dakota anywhere between a pick to a one-point favorite in your total loss game, anywhere between 149 and 149.5. When the classic games of there's still money to be made here, and I do think that there's money to be made fading the heck out of North Dakota because this is a team that has been absolutely terrible. With regards to being able to defend, and really, you take a look at it, both of these teams have been absolutely atrocious with their defense. When it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis, you are staring at two of the worst teams in college basketball. North Dakota 
they are 354th. St. Thomas, they are 356th. This is out of 358 D1 teams. So they're both in the bottom six. And it's very ironic that you got a St. Thomas team that they've actually been really good on offense this season. It's a St. Thomas team that they're in their first year at the D1 level. But in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, this is a team that they do rank right around 50th. So, I mean, they've been able to do a nice job of being able to set themselves up for success. They're a team that they really don't turn the ball over very much. They actually score more points on a per-possession basis on the road than they do at home. And that's part of why I do like St. Thomas in this spot. They're a team that... When they've been at home, they've actually seen their worst results first time around. North Dakota was able to get the win by kind of 78-70. to 70, And it's a sort of, you got to be able to catch things just right with regards to St. Thomas. Because St. Thomas is actually one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. In terms of a possessions per game basis, they rank in the bottom 75. You got a North Dakota team that they're not necessarily fast. They're not necessarily slow. They're a little bit of a chameleon, as I like to call it. And that if you want to play slow... They will oblige. If you want to play super up-tempo, they will oblige as well. But with regards to St. Thomas, I do think that they are going to be able to get things going from three-point range. They shoot right around 37% from distance. You've got a pair of guys at Anders Nelson along with Riley Smith. These two guys are able to combine for about 30 points per game. So I do think that these guys are going to be very key in this one. And then when it comes to North Dakota, you got one Mr. Paul Burns who has really been able to chip it in there for them. 15 points, right around five boards. He's able to shoot in the high 30s from three-point range for North Dakota. Actually, halfway decent three-point shooting team. They just can't get the ball inside the arc. They really don't have any rebounding whatsoever. Parker Jorkland for the St. Thomas team. He's really the only guy on the team that's able to give you more than four and a half rebounds per game, but he is able to give you right around six and a half boards per game. I think that both of these teams are going to be getting a lot of second and third chances. Neither of these teams necessarily have a lot of size. Both teams, big men. Quite frankly, they're awful. I do think that St. Thomas is going to become out coming out with a little bit of revenge on the mind. I do feel like St. Thomas, with this being their first year at the D1 level, they weren't necessarily figured out at the beginning part of the season as more tape comes out on them. I feel like they're a little bit easier to be able to play them for, but at the same time with North Dakota, this is one of the bottom teams in all of college basketball. I just think that this is a North Dakota team that you want absolutely no part of. They've been dealing with some ailments with guys like Caleb Nero and company. Being in and out of the full, Ethan Okabanu has not necessarily been able to perform the way that you'd like him to. Only about 8.5 points per game out of him. So, it's a spot in which we're going to be taking a look at the money line with the St. Thomas team. When it comes to this total, I did wind up saying my total at 152. I do think that both of these teams are going to be making a lot of threes. And I think that there is going to be little to no defense played in this game. Especially with it being a exceptional tip time of 10 a.m. Pacific time. You're finding it at 1 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, so it is an early one. You want to place this bet very early if you want to have action, but going to be taking a look at the money line, and I'm going to take a look at this total over. And when it comes to what you're going to be getting in college basketball on Tuesday, you certainly do have other, shall we say, intriguing games, a little bit more off the beaten path, like this one between a pair of Atlantic 10 teams, 619, 620 on the bang board. George Washington is going to be playing us at Richmond. Richmond is finding themselves in between a 6.5 to a 7-point favorite. Opened up at 5.5, so we've seen a little bit of a line move here on your total. Still steady, anywhere between 141.5 and 142. George Washington is coming in on their best stretch of the season. They have won six or four out of their last six games, but also with this George Washington team, their team that they rank in the bottom 75 with regards to three-point shooting percentage, 
They shoot a little bit over 30% from distance and got yourself a bunch on the flip side for Richmond and they do a really good job with their offense. Now, in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they rank outside the top 200, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue for this team, but on offense, they've been pretty rock solid. Take a look at George Washington, and a team that has been having a little bit of issues on offense this season, but they've been able to do a little bit better job recently, and a big reason why is because they've been able to expand upon their pretty much five-man rotation. You've now got Hunter Dean, who's been able to help out with things down low with Ricky Lindo Jr., these two guys. They're able to combine for about 14 rebounds for him. Lindo Jr. chips in there eight points, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range, gives you a seal and a half and a block and a half per game, so he's been relatively solid for this team. Joe Besmiel, coupled with James Bishop, are able to combine for 32 points per game, but then you take a look at what you're able to get on this Richmond team. You've got a pair of guys, Tyler Burton, along with Grant Goldland. These two guys have been able to combine for about 31 or so points per game. Goldland is a guy that, despite the fact that he stands... Right around 6 for 10, he's able to do all three assists per game, but I really think it's going to be an X factor in this game is the fact that George Washington is going to need to take care of the ball against the all-time leader in terms of steals at the D1 level. That would be Jacob Gilliard, a guy that's able to give you right around 12.5 points, six assists, so 1.5 turnovers per game. He is one of the most efficient guards you're going to find in all of college basketball. When it comes to efficiency on offense, Richmond certainly has that now. With regards to the defense, it is certainly not there, but you've got a Richmond team that they just don't beat themselves in terms of a turnover on a per-possession basis. They are eighth in all of college basketball. They only turn the ball over on 14% of their possession, so they do a good job of being able to hold on to the ball, George Washington. They're more in the middle as they're right around 163rd with this aspect, and when it comes to Richmond, you've had a couple of guys like an Andre Gustafson who's been able to chip in there a little bit more on offense. It's been a team that been a little bit intermiss from three-point range, but I do think that Richmond going to be able to do a good job of being able to get the ball inside. I do think that their big men are going to be versatile enough to be able to get this team some good offense, a couple easy looks. I do think that Richmond, a team that has been able to travel relatively well, going to be able to get the job done in this spot. When it comes to Richmond, I wound up saying them a little bit more of an 8 to an 8.5 point favorite, so going to be willing to lay it here. I'm with George Washington. I do think that they're going to wind up having a little bit of a tough time against this Richmond team of being able to take care of the ball. And Richmond, also a team that ranks outside the top 250 with regards possessions per game. So a little bit more of a slow team. Looking at the under, and I'm going to be willing to lay it here with Richmond. When it comes to another game that I think is going to be a, a little bit of intrigue as well, how about if we wind up going out to the Colonial as you've got the College of Charleston, and they are going to be playing against Northeastern. Northeastern had themselves a rough year, and they're finding themselves a home underdog between a point and point and a half. Charleston's game between 143.5 and 144.5. When it comes to the Charleston team, they do a very good job of being able to get their tempo in games. I always say that it's a little bit easier to slow a team down rather than speed one up. Charleston, they've been speeding up teams all season long. They are number two in the country with regards to possessions per game. Northeastern, they're a little bit of the opposite with Northeastern on a per-game basis. This is a team that they rank 328th in terms of total possessions, but problem for Northeastern is that they just can't take care of the ball. They turn the ball over 14 and a half times per game, and it's a Charleston team that they have been able to create right around eight seals per game. Demetrius Underwood does it all, right around 10 points, six boards, two seals per game. So he's been really good for this bunch when it comes to Charleston as well. You gotta love what you've been able to get out of John Meeks. He comes in from the bracket, Boston Bucknell Bison. 15 points, five boards, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range, and Northeastern just flat out. It's been a little bit banged up. Chris Jordy is able to give you nine and a half rebounds per game. Should be able to do a relatively solid job down low, but with Northeastern, 
It's just been a team that on defense, which has really been the calling card for them in recent years, they just have not been good to say the least. You've got a few guys that will be able to do a solid job. Someone like a Jamal Telford, they will give you a double-digit amount of points per game with Charleston. I do think that they're going to be able to hold up at the point of attack with regards to their defense and with Northeastern. I think that they're going to have a really tough time of being able to sustain their tempo because I do think that Charleston is going to be able to get their tempo by being able to speed them up and being able to force turnovers in Northeastern. 300th in the country with regards points allowed on a per possession basis. I'm going to lay it here with Charleston and I'm going to be taking a look at an over in the final segment. Going to give you guys my DK Nation pick for college basketball on this Tuesday and just share what I like right here on Beeson Esports Bank Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Hit the court for your cut of cash with the FX Snowfall Kingpin Challenge. Play for free in two Fantasy Hoop contests, and you're going to be able to battle for your share of $15,000 in total cash prizes while the fight for LA rages on during Season 5 of FX's Snowfall. Head on over to DraftKings.com Snowfall to get in on all the action. Snowfall returns February 23rd on FX, stream on Hulu, Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details as it is the final segment of The Look Ahead with myself, Greg Eubes-Pearson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg. If you're looking forward to Follow the Money, if you're listening to me live, well, I have three hours and 15 minutes until Follow the Money. If you're listening to the replay, it's coming up in 15 minutes and on Follow the Money, they're going to be having Seth Greenberg joining them at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 5.30 a.m. Pacific. You've also got out there George Carl, he's going to be joining the show at 6.30 a.m. Pacific, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And then you've got Nick Caperos. He is a former NHL player. He's going to be joining them talking all about hockey. And glad to be holding it down with you guys tonight right here on The Look At. And 
I always do this every day for DK Nation. I wind up giving out just a write-up of a game that I think is a little bit more key, a game that I think that I've got a relatively good feel on. And, well, so far so good on those in four weeks of that. And we're going to try to keep it going here out there in the SEC. We go 631 to 632 on the betting board. Florida and Arkansas are going to be doing battle. Arkansas, anywhere between a one and one and a half point favorite. Total on this game, you're finding it in most places right around a 136. You might be finding 135 and a half, might be finding a 136 and a half. But that said, it's a spot in which I wound up writing up for DK Nation the over. I wound up setting my total at 140. Got an Arkansas team that they rank in the top 30 in all of college basketball in terms of possessions per game. Florida's a little bit more of a low and slow team, but I do think that Florida is going to be able to bust out with their offense a little bit more. Florida has been a team that has had a tough time being able to put the ball in the basket, and they certainly have been better on defense at home than they have been on the road. Florida, a team that's allowing 14.5 points fewer on a per 100 possessions basis when they are at home rather than when they are on the road, but Arkansas is a team that they rank outside the top 110 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. Florida at home, they take 49.1% of their shots from three-point range. That ranks eighth in all of college basketball with regards to the percentage of their shots that they went taking from three in home games. So it is a team that they're going to be taking a lot of those. And with Florida, they're going to be offering up a lot of second chances. Florida is a team that they allow opponents to be able to grab 29.7% of their misses for an offensive rebound. That ranks 305th in all of college basketball. Arkansas in, our, in SEC play, they've allowed over 29% of opponents' misses to get rebounded as well. So a pair of teams that... They've got relatively solid rebounding. Should be able to get second and third chances. Colin Castleton really has been the main form of post-presence for this Florida team. A guy that has been able to give you right around seven boards, 17 points per game. is able to give you multiple blocks per contest. Arkansas does a little bit of a better job by committee. You've got a guy in Jalen Williams. 10.5 points, 9.5 boards, steal and a half, block and a half. He gives you four assists per game. If you need him to, he'll sell hot dogs at the hot dog stand. He has been absolutely magnificent for this team. And with Florida... You really don't have a lot outside of Colin Castleton in terms of being able to pull on their boards. And what I think is really big for this Arkansas team is the fact that Stanley Amudi will be able to step up for this team. He has been able to after right around 14 and a half points in conference play. After in non-conference play, he was trying to find his footing coming in from South Dakota. You could tell that he had a little bit of a tough time acclimating from a little bit of a lower level of competition. Now he's been able to do so. And he's been able to give this Arkansas team a little bit more pop from the outside as well, shooting 39 and a half percent from three-point range in SEC play. In non-conference play, he certainly was a little bit more pedestrian. And then you've also got guys like an O.D. Tony. They would give you nine points, four and a half rebounds per game. They would do a relatively solid job there. Arkansas is a team that they're able to generate quite a few steals, and really both of these teams do. With Florida and Arkansas, they both combined to be able to give you about 17 steals per game. Both teams do a good job of being able to turn the other over, and I do think that both of these teams are going to have a good possibility of being able to turn defense into offense. When it comes to Arkansas as well, they do a good job of being able to get to the free throw line. They rank at the top 10 in all of college basketball in terms of free throw attempts per game. And when it comes to both of these teams, I do think that both of them are going to be going to the free throw line quite a bit because I think that this is going to be a relatively close game. You saw bookmakers, they are setting this anywhere between one and one and a half. I want to make Arkansas a two-point favorite, so I'm willing to lay the one and one and a half here. I do think that Arkansas should be able to get it done on the road. When you take a look at Florida, they were able to get that massive win against Auburn, and you do have to be fearing a little bit of a letdown spot with them on that as well. I don't necessarily buy into it entirely. I do think that it all depends on the situation, but in general, you just take a look at Florida. Every time they wind up having a big home SEC game, they make like your buddy at the bar, and they just cannot close. 
We wound up seeing that a little bit earlier in the year against Alabama. They did a good job being able to get that win against Auburn. you got to give them credit there, but I just take a look at teams in college basketball. Whenever you find the sort of ranked versus unranked home versus road game, and you wind up having a line like this where it's close to a pick the home team that's unranked is a very slight favorite. Typically, a lot of the home teams wind up pulling it out, except Florida. I mean, it just doesn't, it just seems to not fail every single time. Florida's in one of these scenarios. They seem to be the team that can't wind up closing out. And I think that that's going to happen here for DK Nation. I did wind up writing up the total. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And when it comes to what you're able to get out of Arkansas, want to lay up to two with them. We are going to be finding a little bit of ACC action in the Tuesday college basketball betting board as well. I think that this is a little bit of an intriguing game as we go 641, 642 on the betting board. Miami is going to be in the right phase off against Pittsburgh. Not really too much of a shock here that Miami, after they opened up a three and a half point favorite, have been bet up a little bit. You're not finding them as a four point favorite in most spots. So on this game is anywhere team 135 and a half and 136 and a half. And with Miami, I set them as an eight point favorite. I know that the analytics have not necessarily been in on this Miami team, but I take a look at them. I really like what I'm seeing with regards to turnovers on a per possession basis. They're in the top 15 in all of college basketball. Now, Miami leaves quite a bit of something to be desired on the defense event. They're ranking outside the top 200 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. But when it comes to this Miami team, they've been able to do an exceptional job all season long and be able to generate turnovers. Got a guy in Charlie Moore who's able to give you a little bit over two steals per game. He's able to give you 10 plus points per game. So, he has been very terrific for this team. And you've got a guy in Jordan Miller. Mine's coming in from George Mason. Has been able to give this team six plus rebounds in nine out of the last 11 games. He's been able to leave his imprint. And you've got a Pittsburgh team that it just has not been going well for them on offense. Now, Ethiel Horton coming back for this team. He's been back for about eight or so games. He's been able to give you 11 points per game. Shooting 47% for three. Came in from Delaware as a transfer. And he's a good outside shooter. I do think that there's going to be a regression with him, though. You take a look at it and... I feel like he's playing above his skis. I think that he's probably going to be, when it's all said and done, more like a 40, 41% three-point shooter. So no question. He's relatively solid. He's a good addition for a Pittsburgh team that needed a little bit more other than just Demarius Burton. Burton has been able to do a solid job for this team. He's been able to give the team 10 plus points in 12 out of the last 15 games. But we also got a Pittsburgh team that, due to all the injuries, thank you, Sabandi, wound up being ruled out prior to the season even starting. They've had to really slow down. In terms of possessions for game, Pittsburgh, 345th out of 358 D1 teams. You got a Miami team that they play relatively controlled as well. Miami, with regards to possessions per game, they're 232nd and actually play significantly slower on the road than at home. A full four possessions per game slower on the road than at home. So it's a team that they're able to go a little bit faster whenever they are in the city of Miami. You've got Isaiah Wong coupled with Cam Agussi. These guys combined to be able to give you about 34 points per game now. The big thing with Miami is that they're not necessarily great on the glass. And you do have on the flip side for Pittsburgh, John Hughley, a guy that is able to give you right around eight rebounds per game. He does a good job of being able to supply the team with right around 14 points per game. But with Pittsburgh, despite the fact that they play so slow, they turn the ball over over 13 times per game with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis. This is a team that they're in the bottom 50 in all of college basketball. Miami doing such a good job of being able to generate those seals, even with Pittsburgh. Perhaps having a little bit of a rebound advantage. I think that it's a bad spot for them. I'm going to lay it here with Miami. Do you I'm saying my total at 135? I do think that you're going to see this Pittsburgh team give up quite a few points, but not enough 
for you to be able to get an over. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm looking to lay it here with Miami. One more before we wind up getting out. How about if we go back to the SEC? 623-624. A little bit of a toilet bowl out there in the SEC. As you've got Georgia, and they are going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against Texas A&M. A&M finding themselves an 11.5-point favorite. Tallinn's game is 146 or 146.5. I do what I'm saying Texas A&M as a 12-point favorite. And it's a Texas A&M team that's not necessarily good, but with Texas A&M, the big key for this team, each of your top six scores are able to give you at least a steal per game, and you've got a Georgia team that they are dealing with Tom Crean perhaps being on the hot seat. You're seeing a lot of reports right now that he is most likely going to be getting canned relatively soon. I think that this is a Georgia team that they're just flat out quitting at this point. Curry Oquendo, they will give you 14.5 points per game, but Georgia, they shoot sub-70% in the free line, sub-32% from three-point range, a team that has just been absolutely awful on defense, and it's a Texas A&M team that they do a good job of being a rebound by committee. Buzz Williams has a relatively solid system in place. I think that Texas A&M should be able to get the job done. One to lay up to 12 with them, and with Texas A&M, they're a team that typically they play relatively solid defense, so they'll be taking a look at the under as well. Something that I always like to take the over with, the amount of quality content <clears throat> that we have here on VSEN, the Sports Bank Network. Follow the money. Gonna be coming up next right here on the Sports Bank Network. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.